This Torah class is brought to you by TorahAnytime.com. All right, so welcome everybody. Welcome to our Tuesday night class at the Bejuro. I welcome all our Torah Anytime viewers. Tonight's class is dedicated for Fuash Lematu Arihai, Ben Adina, and also to a Dove Bear Ben Shoshana Rosa. Uh, he is, uh, the latter one is a 11-year-old boy that got hit by a baseball, if I'm not mistaken, and he was lost conscious, and he's in very critical condition. Um, so all your prayers are greatly appreciated. Additionally, he, uh, they created a, the Chesed Fund page. It's a, it's a, it's a website, I believe, called thechesedfund.com, and you can search up Dovi, D-O-V-I, and he'll come up over there, and they are doing, they're raising money to help like uh, people get married, so people don't have enough money for for marriage. They he, they help them, and that's supposed to be a big school uh, for Fuashema. So whoever could, if you can, at least pray, learn for Fuashema. He definitely needs a uh, um, a speedy recovery. Okay, so today's uh, today's shiul is so you think you can repent. Many people think that they can do tshuva. They think that they can. They're going to repent. They're going to be able to to come back 100. percent But yet there are certain things that prevent prevent repentance. You know, I've spoken to many drug addicts. Drug addicts think that they can get out of the drugs without going to rehab. They, you know, an abusive husband does not think he's abusive. People, when you're in the dirt, you don't smell the dirt. The, um, and I found this unbelievable. Like the drug addict, he's like, no, I could do it myself. I could do it myself. I'm able to. I have the strength. And he starts bringing out, this Baruch will help me, and this will help me, and everything will help me. Yet he stayed status quo. He's still in the drugs, still in everything. Why? Because he need, they need an extra bit of help. You need a detox. A detox takes a lot of pain. A lot of, uh, uh, you need a lot of support. You need a lot of medications also for it for sometimes. So there are many people that think they can repent. And they can, but for some people it's not going to be as easy as for others. And we're going to go through today, we're going to go through uh, two things. We're going to go through things that either help you repent, make it easier for you and, and bring you closer to repentance. And we're going to go also the other way, things that prevent repentance, block repentance, or, or very unlikely for you to repent. So that, was, that is Bizarre Hashem, the goal for today. The Chovot Kalvavot in Chuba in uh, chapter sp- six speaks about what we're going to start with the good stuff first. How do you, how does a person repent? How does a person uh, um, what stirs the person's heart to repentance? So number one, he brings four ways. Number one is you have to recognize God. If you don't recognize God, if you don't recognize the constant good that you constantly get from God, what are you really repenting for? You feel bad, so, you know. There's nothing, there's really missing something. The ultimate repentance is when you recognize there's a God, you recognize that all the good that He does for you, and then you go and you repent. He compares it to a, uh, a servant. A servant who serves his master, and then he runs away. And he runs away, and he's like, he, that's it, he's done. Then, as he, after he runs away, he thinks about it, he's like, you know what, my master was so good to me. He did so many good things to me. Maybe I should go back. And he's like, you know what? He goes back to his master and repents fully. And he says, listen, I'm sorry I ran away. I really shouldn't have. You're really good to me. I really apologize. So, that repentance is, uh, is, is of the highest quality, highest level. The next level, number two, is when, uh, he, when does a person repent? When he gets the rebuke. Either he reads in the, in the Torah, he reads the, the harsh, you know, punishments of a, of a sinner, and then he gets a little scared, you know, and he, want, and he starts repenting. Or it could even be that he goes to somebody who speaks, uh, you know, in a lecture, and he gives him hard musa, and he gives him hard rebuke, and he's like, you know what? I gotta change my life. I gotta change my life. This is comparable to a, this is comparable, you can sit over here, it's going on, it's fine. This is comparable to a person who, a slave, who runs away from his master, and then he meets another slave, and the other slave starts rebuking him, and be like, what are you, Lord, what are you leaving to your master? You know how good you have it, you know how this is, you know how great it is? Go back to your master. And he convinces him to go back, and he goes back to his master. That's level number two. Level number three is when you see 
the other person getting punished. So you're doing maybe the same sin or something similar, and you see the other person getting punished, whatever the punishment is, and you're like, wait a minute, I'm doing the same thing. I'm in the same boat. That's not good. I'm, you know, and that's where, that's where you repent. As, as you can see, we're going lesser and lesser in the level of, uh, you know, or the highest level of repentance going down. This is comparable to a slave. A slave goes and he runs away from his master. He runs away from his master and he sees another slave also run away from his master. But he sees that this slave gets caught, he gets beaten and whipped and goes, you know, like really gets beaten up. And he says, oh, you know, I don't want some of that. I don't want any of that. And he goes and he repents and he goes back to his master. So his repentance is good, but still on a lower, on a lower quality. Then you have the last level where the punishment actually comes on him. The punishment goes on him. He goes and he gets, he goes through suffering and he goes through some sorts of punishment. And because of the punishments that he's receiving, he's like, you know what? I don't want this bad luck in my life. I don't want this in my life. And he goes and he repents. This is comparable to a slave who his master sends him somebody and to go and find him. And he tracks him down, a headhunter. Is that what it's called? A headhunter, whatever it is. Uh, he goes and he tracks him down. He finds him and, and the guy beats him up and says, you come back to your master. And the guy says, no. And he keeps on beating and beating and beating him until finally he says, okay, fine, fine, I'm coming back. That's comparable to the last case, and obviously the highest level of, uh, is is uh, better is where you do it on your own intuition, on your own will, on your own without having anything else other than interference, by just realizing the goodness that a God create, God gave you. That's what the Chobot Halavavot says. Now let's see what the Rambam, Maimonides, says in Hilchot Shuvah chapter 4, if you want to look it up. He brings over here 24 categories of people that God holds back their Shuvah. So again, everything that we're saying, going to be saying today... The person that committed these sins can still do tshuva. However, it's going to be more difficult. And we're going to soon explain that. He brings four categories. In the four categories, it splits it up. The first category is going to be four. It's referring to uh, people that God will not grant them to do tshuva. And we're going to go through all of them. The next category was where God locks their tshuva, which means it'll make it very difficult. It's locked. There's five in this category. The next category is also five. It is This is a category that it is impossible to repent completely. And we'll go through examples of that also. And the next category is also five. It's very unlikely that that person will do tshuva. And the last category will be very difficult to abandon. You do certain sins, you get so addicted to it that it's very hard to abandon. And Bezalchim will go through all those 24 cases and uh, sort of enlighten. What's the purpose of learning this? What's the purpose of knowing all this bad stuff? Because you realize if you're in one of these categories and you realize that, all right, I got to work extra hard in what I'm doing. Also, it'll prevent you from ever doing these types of sins because these types of sins will cause the repentance to be very difficult. Not only that, uh, I think the rabbi that says that uh, let's say I say 24 categories of here. But let's say you're, not you, somebody does three out of these 24. So the 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 chuvada, the fact that it's being held back is accumulative. So it's going to be more difficult. Make sense? Okay. So the first one, which we're talking about where God will not grant the person who commits such sins to do chuva, is due to the gravity, the seriousness of these sins. There is a Gemara in Shabbat, page 104a. That says, If somebody comes and wants to repent, God helps. God helps you. If you want to come repent, all you got to do is take one step forward and God's going to take, it's God's going to take you ready the rest of the way. He'll help you. But there are certain categories where God will not help you. You can do tshuva, but it's going to be on your own. It's very difficult. It's like, so there's certain people that, you know what, I'll repent later, I'll repent later, I'll repent later, I'll repent later. Every time they push off their repentance, they have less help from God. Which means is, is if let's say somebody comes, at, an easy example to understand it, 20 years old, he decides, uh, you know, he, he speaks to a rabbi, and rabbi enlightens him, and, and he shows him that the Torah is real, and he realizes he has to change his life. But he's 20, and you know, you can have a good time at 20. So he's like, you know what, I hear you, I'm not ready just yet. And he goes, and he ha- enjoys his life, he does m- many more sins. Had he repented at 20, God would have helped him 100%. It would have been a little bit difficult at the beginning, but smooth sailing afterwards. Then let's say at 22, 
another person comes to him and he brings him a nice uh, lecture and he listens to the lecture and he really wakes him up and he's like, you know what, I really got to change my life. And the next morning he wakes up, turns around to his girlfriend and he says, eh, not going to happen now. I'll wait. I'll wait a different time. So he waits and now, had he repented then, he would have gotten 80% help. I'm just giving out examples of numbers. Then he goes and three years later, he is, whoever's following, I don't know how old he is anymore, 27, 25. let's say, 25, he goes, uh, thank you, and he, uh, he hears, you know, another thing he wants to do Shabbat, and he tries, he starts, uh, and he, he lets it go. Now, it goes down to, to 60%, and then every time he keeps on pushing it off, he knows that he has it, but he keeps on pushing off, the siyata dishmaya, the amount of help that he will get from God will be decreased. He shows that God, it's not really so important to him. So many people think, you know what, I'll repent later, I'll repent later, I'll repent when I'm older, I'll repent when I'm married, I'll repent when my children are married, I'll repent, yada, 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 it ends up not happening. Why? Because you push it off. You don't, you're not supposed to push it off. First of all, you never know if you're going to last that long. Who knows if you're going to last, uh, you're going to last that long. So, it's very important not to push off the repentance. And the cases over here we're refer, referring to is where God is not going to help that person as much as he would for somebody in a, in a different category. So, case, num, uh, category, uh, in category number one, that God will not grant the person to do chuba. The first scenario, the first uh, example is somebody who's machtita abim. He causes many people to sin. He caused many people to sin. This is also some people, somebody who prevents many people from doing a positive commandment. He pulls everybody out of Beit uh, Knesset and Filin, and he says, "You know what? We're going on a cruise today." And everyone's like, "Yeah, cruise, yeah. go on my yacht, right?" And they all go out, and because of that, he, he prevented many people from from doing a mitzvah. And this is also preventing many, making many people sin. As well, people don't understand, they have weddings, and it's a very, very common thing, unfortunately, nowadays. Mixed weddings. Mixed weddings is making people sin. All these boys and girls that are dancing together in a in modest way are sinning. And who is responsible for that? The, the, the great Khatan and Kala who are sitting over there smiling ear to ear thinking God's going to bless them. What's God going to bless them? You're sitting in front of, on your holiest day of your life, the one that you could accomplish so much on the day of your wedding, everybody sitting on the house. On me, guys. Don't worry about it. Go, go, go. And even worse, even worse, it's unbelievable. Somebody once invited me to a wedding. He invited me to a wedding and he told me, don't worry, Rabbi, there's going to be a kosher table. And I'm like, so what do you mean? It's like just separate table? He's like, no, no, kosher food. And I'm like, that's good, but well, what about the other tables? He's like, ah, so come on, Rabbi. People need to eat seafood. You know, it's a wedding. Come on. You know how nice our weddings we throw over here? Oh, well, we got to have all this thing. And I'm like, let me understand this. So, so you're throwing a wedding, and you're going to put one table kosher and the rest not kosher? And he couldn't. He was like, yeah, yeah. And I'm like, are you crazy? This is your holiest day of your life. You want, you want God to bless this marriage, right? He's like, oh yeah, absolutely. No salt, under there, no keys, don't worry about it. Empty bottles are going right off the table. He gets all the superstitions that he has on the table. He's not. But I'm like, so you're causing many people to sin on the day of your wedding, thanks to you. You think you're going to have a blessed marriage? You think that you're on the day of your wedding you're going to be able to do it? These are people that are causing many people to sin. But then people always come to me and they'll say, but they're going to sin anyways. They're going to go to, they're going to eat non-kosher anyways. They're going to drive on Shabbat anyways. What's the difference if uh, you know, we do it together? So to that I answer is imagine the scenario. Imagine there's a drug dealer and he sells drugs to, to high school. And uh, the feds go and they bust him. Who's, what, what is in charge of the narcotic division? What are they called? DEA. DEA comes in and busts him. And he bring him in front of the judge. And the judge says, listen, we found a kilo of heroin. We found, I don't know if it goes by weight, a kilo of cocaine. I know that goes by weight. And a lot of, you know, a nice amount of drugs. And we, we have you on video camera selling it to, the, to high school kids. It's like, what do you have to say? He says, listen, my dear judge, uh, you know, I, you know, I did do it. But if I wouldn't have sold it, somebody else would have sold it. 
So what do you think the judge is going to do? Just going to be like, oh, yeah, yeah, it's a good point. Yeah, so don't worry, it's okay. Many people think that it doesn't matter if I helped him sin, he was going to sin anyways. What are you talking about? What's the difference? You helped him sin, you are a sister over here, you assisted him. So you know, this is a, this is already under the classification of mahtit abim, causing many people to sin. The, um, there are also many people that, oh, I don't know why, the Jews get into this business, I can't understand for the life of me. They open up clubs. They open up clubs. I, you know, people like to open up clubs. They like to go, and it's it's a very it's a party life, and they enjoy it. Or they become a club promoter. So I come, everybody, let's go sin in here. You know, and let's go, go, no, come, this one's going to be good. And they bring everybody into all, to, just sins. Like, there's nothing good that happens in a club. There's not like, maybe there'll be a mitzvah that's happening over here. There's nothing good that happens in a club, and they want to, and they want to create the, uh, go into this business. Also, these people that make parties, I can't. Many years ago, I got an invitation, uh, you're talking about maybe 12 years ago, a Halloween party, but don't worry, relax, it's just for Jews. <laughs> and, uh, and I'm like, I saw this invitation, it was like in a flyer, and then there was another one, there was a porn party. I'm like, oh, okay, but it's in a club. I'm like, who arranges these things? And some people sponsor it, people pay their money, I'd be like, no, we're going to have a porn party for just guys and girls ages 18 to 27. You know, come on, you know, enjoy, you're, you know, girls drink free. Well, you know, like, what, 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 do you, what are people doing? With the, I, I really don't understand it. Besides the fact that they're burning the money for absolutely no good reason, they're actually causing many people to sin. Now, why is it that this is such a problem? Let's say this guy caused many people to sin, and then he goes and he decides that he is going to do tshuva. Why do we prevent him? Why does God, why does the Torah, and, and the, the way that it's written, and God prevents the person from doing tshuva? It's because this guy is going to repent. He's going to be in, in heaven. And meanwhile, all his disciples, those pupils that he taught how to dance, and all, you know, are going to be all you know, descending to hell. So how, how, does that, how does that make sense? So if a person has the ability to redo the damage, then they will allow him to, to repent. They'll allow him to repent. Otherwise, it's going to be very, very difficult to repent. So this is very important. Stay away from these types of businesses. Stay away from these types of, of things. You're, you're making a wedding. Make it as kosher as possible. You're not going to remember it that much either way. Only in the, only in the camera. Next case, number two is that was Mahtit Arabim. Next one, the Rambam speaks about it in a more of a singular case. Somebody who leads his friend from the path of good to the path of bad, like a missionary. He takes him from the Torah and he brings him to, to a juice for JC or whatever that, the, that, he, that the other, other cult that he brings him into. There are, you know, there, there's actually an organization. Believe it or not, there's an organization that exists. And there's actually a few of them. But one of them, I think in particular, what they do is that they help people Leave Judaism. Be like, oh, you need help? Don't worry about it. Come to us. We'll pay for your college. We'll pay for your tuition. We'll pay for this. We'll pay for that. We'll have support groups to help you leave God. And they go and they install atheistic ideas in them. And people, the, the fact that this, this exists is one thing. But the fact that people donate it, I never understood that. You're donating money to help people go away from God. So if there is a God, then you're taking people away from Him. So that's not good. If there's no God, then you're just wasting money. So either way, it's a lose-lose situation. I, I don't understand their idea, ideology by it, but people go and they take people away from Judaism. This is, this is, a, this is exactly the same case. There's also on a similar level, not exactly that, but let's say somebody comes over to you, and a uh, young guy, and he says, listen, what should I do? Should I go to Israel, learn for a year, or should I go to college? And he says, uh, and you, and you, you know, this person that he goes into is a big chacham, obviously, and uh, that's sarcastically, and he says... Come on, you need to go to, you know how long college is? Go, go to Yeshiva afterwards. College, you gotta take care of college first. You know, four years this, and then you have three years in grad school, and then this, and then you have to internship, there's a long time. You wanna get married? Ah, first mitzah, ah. You have to go, and you have to support a family. So they take, with all these rationalizations, they convince this person not to go to Yeshiva, and go to college. 
Now, what people don't understand, why it's so imperative, during the years, 18 to 20, or that, this is years when people start college or people go to Israel, that's when they're really shaping their lives. And granted, you could always change it. But that's really when you're sort of shaping, you're, you're finding yourself, and you realize who you are, and you're sort of going, there's a very big difference if you end up in a college versus you end up in Israel learning in, in yeshiva. That could change the entire person's life. Now imagine this guy goes and convinces a guy not to go to Israel and go to college. And because of that, this guy becomes a successful lawyer. And he goes on, you know, very nice uh, yacht parties with his colleagues. And he's enjoying himself, has a good time. He might even send his kids to yeshiva, you never know. But had this person with such a good head would have gone to yeshiva, he could have became a big rabbi, a great rabbi, that could have brought so many people closer to the Torah. And who is it thanks to? Your great advice. Like you, uh, why would you... Shut your mouth. You don't know anything what you're talking about. Close your mouth. There are many people, what happens when somebody calls for advice? Right away, uh, of course. Uh, yeah, you know, it's like someone calls you up, you're like, hello? Like, hey, hey, buddy, what's going on? Um, I have a, you know, I need something to talk to you about. Can you have a minute? Like, yeah, yeah, of course, sure, sure. She says, I need your advice. What happens when you just, when someone says that to you, I need your advice, your ego goes like a missile through the roof. You know, oh, it's over there. Me, advice, sure. And then let's say he asks you, you know, something that you, you're not so familiar with, right? And you're like, you know, so you get, he speaks and you're like, oh man, I have no idea what the tallest guy. What happens? It'd be like, I'm having bad service, you're cutting up. Let me call you right back. I'm going to call you right back. I have to restart my phone. You close it off, go to Dr. Google, you know, Mr. Google and check up everything. And all of a sudden you read up all these things. You call the guy back. Yeah, yeah. I'm sorry. I, I, don't, I couldn't really hear you well. What was the problem? And he tells you again. He'll be like, oh yeah, for this problem. And you just read off all the results from Google. And the guy's like, wow, it's a big tzaddik. Yeah, thank you. The problem is when people go and ask people for advice, all of a sudden they're big, they, they're big, you know, mumchim. They know everything about everything. That's why sometimes you have to lower yourself. Lower yourself. They're like, listen, I don't know. Why don't you go speak to somebody who knows this about it better? You want to know how to make a life decision? Might be a good idea to speak to a rabbi. Might just be. Okay, that's category number uh, two. Category uh, number three. Category number three, by the way, we're still in the same category where God, uh, um, we said God blocks, prevents. Grant, well not grant. Okay, the third one over here is somebody who is a son, is associating with evil influences, he's, he's hanging out with the wrong people, and he ref- the father refrains from rebuking him. So which means is, is that the son has the, uh, um, you know, is going off the way, the right path, and the father sort of just like, live and let live, let him find himself, you know? Had he gone and rebuked his son, his son would have actually straightened himself out. But because he didn't, he let him go the way that he went, he is responsible now, and he is under this category. This also falls under this Gemara Shabbat, page 54. I believe it's 54b. That says that whoever has potential to admonish people of his household, and he fails to do so, he's responsible for their deeds. And it says further, if he can, if he can, if he's able to admonish the people of his, of his, uh, um, of his city, and he doesn't, he's held responsible for their sins. This is why, that if somebody has the ability to do, to convince somebody, to prevent somebody from sinning, and he doesn't, that's not good. That, he gets part of the sin. So which means if you have the ability to prevent your friend from sinning and you don't do that, you let him sin, you have part of that sin. This, obviously, there's a monument of Yevamot, page 65b, that says that just like there's a mitzvah to say something, it's also a mitzvah not to say something if it won't be heeded, if it won't be listened to. So yeah, it's a fine line over here and it's a whole class that we, Bezal Hashem, will give on, uh, in, 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 on a, a separate time. How do you rebuke somebody else? Somebody's sinning. How, what are you supposed to do? What are you supposed to tell them? How are you supposed to do it? And all those uh, uh, guidelines and criteria, Bezal Hashem will do that one day. So, this is also why in the destruction of the first temple, the righteous were murdered along, the, they were destroyed along with the wicked. Now why? Because the righteous, they could have prevented it. They could have stopped. They could have screamed and said, stop, you're sinning. Stop what you're doing. But they didn't. And because they didn't, they also got punished for that. A person gets punished if they could have prevented their friend from sinning and they didn't. 
of course they have free will and they're able to do that. But it's sometimes, if you have a friend, how do you know, by the way, you have a good friend? When your friend tells you, yo, you're doing something not good. You know, you, you, when do you know that friend, a friend is a good friend? It'd be like, listen, you're slipping out of hand. You're in casino all night, every week of the every day of the week. And it, it, intervention, whatever they, they start, you're smoking too much, nonstop. It's not good for you. That you know is a good friend. To be also in the spiritual, obviously you cannot, you're not going to pink up him and say no. I'm not going to, even though some people have private stories that people have done that. But, you know, generally you're not going to do that. But you still have the obligation to say it. Now, there's obviously, there's, there's a fine line because let's say he's not going to listen to you. He's not changing his way. So there's obviously, there's a fine line saying that. Usually it won't. Usually it won't. Because initially they might be a little bit upset. But at the end of the day, they are going to be grateful. Let's say somebody's dating somebody that, you know, is not good for him. And all his friends know that this girl is up to, is not good. She's dragging him down and all, you know, and he's not happy. And he, and they go and they say, listen, you gotta, you gotta leave her. She's not, she's not for you. And he says, no, I love her. Yeah, this is my girl. You know, whatever he says. And he, you know, and, and they, and he, and they keep on pushing him. I'm pushing, I'm pushing. Once he listens to them and he gets out of it, he's like, you know what, guys, I really gotta thank you. I gotta, I appreciate that. While they said it, he hated them. It's like, come on, guys, leave me, let me alone. I'm having a good time. I'm enjoying myself. But afterwards, when he's out of the whole picture, he's like, you know what, I really gotta thank you. That was not good for me. So initially, they might be upset, but at the end of the day, they'll be happy. Okay. The, um, okay. The next category, category number four, is somebody who says, I will sin and I will repent. Or I will sin and Yom Kippur, when Yom Kippur comes, I'll repent on Yom Kippur. Why is that such, so difficult to do in Shabbat? Because the only reason that they're sinning is because they have the ability to repent. The only reason why they're sinning is because they have a Yom Kippur. Had there not been a Yom Kippur, they wouldn't have sinned because they're only sinning because I could repent later. So that the repentance is actually not going to help the sin because the re- fact that there is a repentance helped the person sin. Got it? Make sense? <laughs> okay. Next, next category is uh, the second one, which is going to, we're going to speak about five things. These five things are where the chuba are locked. They're going to be locked. Number one is somebody who separates himself from the community. He separates himself from the community. So when the community repents, he's not going to be together with them. He's, a, he's in his own little, uh, you know, island. And he's not going to do the repentance together with the community. Number two is somebody who contradicts the words of the, of the sages. Right? There are some people that they always argue against rabbis. I've had people come to my class uh, many times, actually. Uh, to be honest, I, I enjoy it a little bit. And, I, you know, they'll come and they just argue about everything I say. Every single thing that comes out of my mouth. Right? They'll just, oh, well, we're going to say this, we're going to say this. Right? I, I, I had one time the pleasure uh, of, of having somebody. I had to, literally, the entire class was like, stop. And I took out, like, this amount of books. And one after another, I pointed at it. So here, 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 and here. Right? Sources, Sources on everything. Everything from A to Z. And telling him whatever he thought, what he thought meant what? These people, they think they know all the whole Torah. Be like, yeah, I went to Yeshiva for one year. And like, what bracha do you make on this? Uh, what does it grow? On a tree, on a bush, on a ground, on a, you know, and they start figuring out, they completely don't have no clue. But people think that they know everything. They learned, they went to Yeshiva one year, which guaranteed half that time they must have been spacing out from the amount of knowledge that they have coming out. And they think they know everything. And, uh, you know, so some people, they just argue. They argue of anything. They don't listen to anything the rabbis want to say. How are these people ever supposed to repent? How are they ever supposed to repent? They, they deny everything that comes out of the rabbi's mouth. The next category, the next, uh, the number three on this, in the same category, is somebody who laughs with mitzvot. He says, oh, come on, what is, it's nothing. You know, what, what do we need to do then? And says the Rambam, here's something very, very important where I, where I, you know, I, I picked up from this, from this, uh, from this one. It's halakha two, the third, uh, the third one. It says, that if he does not fulfill mitzvot, he won't get the merit to do tshuva. Which means is you need to be merit. To do tshuva, you think, okay, I'll do tshuva and I want to. You have to have the merit to do tshuva. 
You have to have the merit to do tshuva. Just like you have the merit to come to a class, just like you have the merit to listen to a class online, you think anybody who wants to listen can listen to the shiot a lot? Absolutely not. Some people, even if they try to listen to it, they space out, they fall asleep, they can't, they can't stay up for the whole thing. They get ADD halfway through. You have to have a school, you have to have a merit to do it. Sometimes it's very, it's very difficult for you, you have to push through it. You have to push through it, you have to go hard, and you have to wake yourself up and force yourself through that hour, whatever the time you're learning, that you're actually learning, you're actually doing that. Not everybody has the merit to do this. That, you know, the, 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 it, it says, you know, like if, if somebody goes and if somebody has the, the ability to do a mitzvah, it's a schut that he would have the ability to do a mitzvah. It's not like, well, I had the free will to do it. Granted, yeah, you had the free will to do it. But the fact that it came onto your, into, into your lap was a, it was, it came from God. And it was a merit that it came from God. It's a merit that everybody had. You, you have here three nights a week that you could go and listen to the Shuratua. It's a merit that you have this. Not like a, you know, nice little bonus. It's a schut that you have. And it's, you, it, it's good to make sure that you actually take uh, advantage of this. The next one, the, the fourth one, is which means that somebody who demeans, he loses respects for his teachers, which would cause his teachers to reject him and dismiss him and, and push him away. This is like Elisha. Elisha in, in Kings chapter 5, um, Elisha cured Naaman, a uh, commander of the Syrian uh, troops. He cured him of leprosy. So the tr- this, this Syrian troop leader, he wanted to pay him. And the, you know, Elisha said, no, 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 we're uh, not taking any money for it. And he left. And his disciple, Gehazi, he went and he ran after him and he says, oh, listen, uh, we changed our mind. We want to get paid. How much you want to get paid? He told him a number. And the guy says, oh, for sure, that number, no problem. I'll pay you double. And he gave him double. When Elisha found out that his pupil, this is what his disciple did, he, he said, well, how do you do this? I told you not to do this. And he cursed him that he would get what, he, what the other person had, the leprosy. And he pushed him away. And it says later, this person was one of the people that he was, with the knowledge that he had from this holy, this, uh, this holy person, he was able to make the, one of the golden, uh, calves of Yaladam. He made them, the, gave them the ability to speak, because he had the, this Kabbalistic power that he knew. And he, and he went and he fell away. JC, JC also, JC lost what, he was pushed away from his rabbis. And look what, look what he ended up. So, the, the, and the fifth category over here, which is so important, are people, who hate admonishment. There are certain people that they can't stand rebuke. You can't, you cannot tell them that they're doing something wrong. Right? I, there's many reasons for it, either it's pride or whatever it is, but they just cannot hear that they're doing something wrong. These, by the way, these people, there's some people that learn a lot of Torah. They are, they're big, you know, they learn a lot of Torah, but they still have such a high ego and they have this pride and pride blocks Shuvah. If you have pride, it's very hard to do, very hard to do Shuvah. They, they don't want to hear rebuke. So they're not going to go to speakers that are going to tell them that they have to do chuba. They'll go to somebody who will fluff it up or sugarcoat it. And meanwhile, they'll live their life more or less status quo as they always lived it. They won't change anything. So they'll stay the same. But somebody who loves rebuke, he wants, he's like, no, tell me how it is. I want to know what I need to do. Why stop playing around the bush? Those people are going to do full chuba completely and quickly because they love it. They love rebuke. I want to know what I need to do and I want to do it because I want to please my creator. That is the end of that category. The, the, the third category is where it is impossible for the person to do tshuva completely. And this is going to be another five. Number one is somebody who curses many people. He curses the public. He curses a group of people. Completely. Yeah. What do you mean curses? It's almost impossible. No, but what I heard is let's say tshuva is 100%. You do your best, you become 70%. Yes. Everything over here, you could do tshuva. You could do tshuva, but it's going to be more difficult. And each one, the Rambam, Imanides, he goes in on a different angle due to the fact of its sins. Which, uh, for example, here's the, here's the reason. For yes, if you really want to, and you really, really do that chuba, really, really, God will help you that you'll do it completely, 100%. But you real, it's it's work, and that's and for this category, it's, it's more work. An example is over here that, and you'll understand it with the examples. If someone curses many people, 
He got what? He can't go on a policy. He doesn't know. He grew across the whole neighborhood. Oh, this whole zip code. Whatever it is, he, he uh, speaks. Like some, let's say somebody caught him all driving, so he goes. No, I'm talking about that's uh, that's just foul language. I'm talking uh, about the you know. I hope you should. Brooke, yeah. Brooke, like race What? No, no, but not race in a way. Not race. Oh, of course, not a race. Yeah, yeah, something like that. Or you know, like like somebody, like a whole group of people that you can't ask them. You don't know. Like you can't. Oh, you're gonna go to you know. To, all the Hasidim. You're going to go with all the Hasidim and be like, excuse me, um, so every Hasid you see, you know, you know, you're going to have a checklist of a million, you're not going to be able to. So it's very, very unlikely. It's, it's so hard to complete it uh, to, to its entirety. The, another one is, the second cat, the second one is somebody who shares in a thief's game. So either he, you know, the thief gives him a, a cut or he buys from a thief, right? You know, we spoke about this before where you have somebody, you know, go over to you and be like, you know, the second that somebody comes over to you, looks to the left, looks to the right and says, hey brother, you want a Rolex? You know, walk the other way. It might be a good idea to run and change neighborhoods. But if somebody goes and if you buy from somebody who stole something, you're helping him steal because now he has customers. Now he's going to go steal more. Now you don't know if you want to repent. You don't know who he stole from. You don't know how to get back to it. So it's very, very difficult to do tshuva on that. The, the, the third cat, the third case is somebody who finds a lost object, but he does not announce it immediately. So you have an obligation. There's actually three transgressions that a person keeps by not. Uh, finding its owner when he finds a lost object. Number one, it's a vi- it's a violation of the negative of the positive commandment that you have to return the lost object. Number two, you're violating a negative commandment against ignoring a lost object. You're not allowed to ignore a lost object. If it's an object that has signs and you're able to return it, you have an obligation to go and return it. And the third one is you have an obli- uh, a violation against stealing. This is actually goes under the category of stealing. When you let's say you see a lost object and you take it, but yeah, whatever, and you end up keeping it. If it was an object that you could have, you know done a, some research and some searching for the owner and you didn't do it, it's a very big problem. Uh, and the last one over here is somebody who accepts a bribe or gives a bribe to pervert the judgment. Because you don't really know if somebody's in, in court and he'll pay somebody under the table and he makes things happen his way. You don't know the, the amount of damage that that judgment did. For example, in, in the court cases, and I'm not so familiar with the court cases, but from my understanding is if let's say there's a court that decides a certain rule, and then somebody else comes with a very similar case that that they could use the original judgment. How it was what was the verdict of that judgment for your case? It was very similar. So if let's say the original case was a perverted judgment, the guy, the judge, uh, the, got slipped some, you know, one hundred fifty k, and he comes and you know he perverts it, and then forever, who knows how much damage that did for generations to come? That was category number uh, three. This is category number four. This is a this is a, a category where it is unlikely. To do chuvah. Why? Because people commit these sins, they, they take it very lightly. They don't take it seriously. Number one is somebody who eats a meal which is not sufficient for its owners. Which means is he invites himself over to whatever and there's not enough food, but he goes and eats, eats up all the whole house. And, uh, you know, meanwhile, he thinks, I didn't do any sin. They let me, they, you know, they let me come in. That person, why is he sinning? Because he, why is this, why is this very unlikely for him to do chuvah? He didn't think he's doing anything wrong. As a, if let's say it's your owner, you're you're the, what do you mean? Who's you? The guy who owns the house? The guy who owns the, the meal? Uh, well, let's say you're a guest. You also came to the house, and you see this guy's out of line. You have to be careful that you don't embarrass him. And and if it's if he's out of line, that make make sure you say it because embarrassing someone in public is a very serious, uh, you know, transgression. So it's good if you can't say something. If he's getting really out of hand, then yeah, say you know, whisper it on the side or you know, or something like that. Or at least, even afterwards, tell him, hey, look what you did. Maybe go ask, you know, the guy for, you know, if, you know, apologies or whatever it is. At least, at least let him fix it. Number two is somebody who makes use of a pledge from a poor person. 
some uh, he lends money to a poor person, he gives them something, and he uses it. He uses it, and, he, and it reduces the value. Or even if it doesn't reduce the value, he uh, he uses it. The next one is somebody who looks at woman. Uh, this is a very important one. If somebody looks at woman, what happens if he looks at woman? Did I touch her? Did I have relations with her? I didn't do anything. Hands up here. You know, I didn't do anything. He thinks he didn't do anything wrong. Meanwhile, the Basuk says, You're not allowed to go and look at things that you're not supposed to look. But he thinks this person will go look, and he'll look, you know, nonstop. This is even more. Let me, let me, some people think, you know, this, you're not allowed to look at single, single woman or married woman. It doesn't matter if you are single or married. You're not looking at any of them. Many people are very confused. They'll be like, well, Listen, I, I'm, you know, I'm single. I need to get married. I need to, I need to find. So what they, they look at everybody. This is not a, this is not a leniency that you could look at. Oh, you never know. She might be the one. I'd be like, no, she's not the one because she's walking across the street with another guy. You know, it, or she's just walking across the street by herself. You know when you're allowed to look at a girl? You're on a date with her. You're on a date with her. Then yes, you have to look at her. Make sure you're attracted to her. And you have to, you know, you have to make sure that, that, that it comes to your, you know, that you're, you're attracted to her. But to go and look at everybody, there's no, you're not allowed to do that. You know, and people don't realize this. They don't, even if they do it, and even if they realize it, how many people actually go and repent? Repe- you know when they'll repent? For going to dirty websites. How many people actually repent for walking down the street and seeing things that they're looking things that they weren't supposed to look at? Very, very few. Says Adam So this is why some pe- people here are very unlikely to repent this, this, uh, this sin. Because they don't think that it's a sin. They don't think it's so severe. So, next is... Uh, the fourth one is somebody who takes pride in his colleague's shame. This is very important. This is somebody, for example, who who contrasts his deeds to his friend's deeds. Which means his friend messed up, and he didn't mess up. So he'll be like, well, at least I'm not like that guy, you know, and he messed it up, uh, whatever, and he gives an example. And in his mind, he's like, listen, he wasn't even around. He didn't even hear what I said. But he made himself look better by putting the other person down. Right? This is how many people advertise, unfortunately. Right, this is a very big in the advertisement, the, you know, industry, and it's it's also just when people just like speak, they sort of just like let it slip. The the last one in this case, in this uh, in scenario kit number five, is somebody who suspects people that are worthy. This is a big tamid khan, big tzaddik, and they go and they speak bad about him. They just speak bad about him and say, "Listen, it turns out that it was wrong, but what did you do? I, you know, I just." Offered my opinion, and they think that you know not such a big not such a big problem. They went and they gave over their their opinion, and this is a very big problem. And people actually go and speak bad about rabbis, and they think it's not a big problem. I just thought, I just thought, I passed along this message. I saw it on the news site, you know, and they pass along this message. And meanwhile, they're speaking bad about somebody. They have no they have no opinion to even speak about. They have no you know who are you to speak about anybody? You don't even know him. You don't even know anything that he did. And even if you did, who know you, you know you know that this is true. And even if it is true, are you allowed to spread it? And people go and they spread this information, um, and they cause they suspect people that have no reason to be suspected. That's that. The last category is uh, people who are this is a, a sins which is very difficult to abandon. And what, you'll soon see why why these are difficult. Number one is gossip. People like to talk, chit-chat, non-stop. You hear what people talk most of the day, it's completely nonsense. Like if even, even at work, you know, it, most of the day, if you ever realize that if you break down your day, most of your day is wasted. It's just wasted on nothingness. It's like when you, if you're able to like squeeze in all the, all the parts of your day that you are um, productive, I'm not talking about spiritually, I'm talking about anything. It's very little. You're working nine to five. How many of those hours were actually spent, you know, Hard working, you know, full time working. Your work, you're, you know, you're 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 on the train and you're able to do some learning, you're able to do some reading. Except what are you doing? Swiping, swiping your phone back and forth, trying to figure out what you should, what app you should get into. Doing absolutely nothing. People just do nothing all the time while they think they're so busy and they're so important. They're in so many chats. Right? I saw a very funny thing, you know, like a, you know, um, 
there's a picture that was like, you know, uh, do you have a, somebody's going for an interview, and he says, do you have any leadership skills? So he's like, well, you know, I am a uh, admin in a WhatsApp group. So, uh, you know, people think that, oh my god, it's so important. People go and take this very seriously. Kick people off their group and then bite people on this and it's only my way and it's only the highway and people take it very, very, very seriously. Uh, what are you wasting time with? Absolutely nothingness. Check out this funny picture. Yeah, this one's a good one. I'll get a few LOLs here. People waste their time with absolutely nothingness. So, gossip. What's gossip? Gossip is when you talk about things that is not derogatory. It's just things. You collect statements from this person and you say it over to this person. This is, you know, people are not even embarrassed about doing this anymore. What do they, you know, go over to, hey, you want to hear some good gossip? Yeah, 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 what you got, what you got? You know, people are not embarrassed anymore. It's not even a sin. They don't even consider it a sin. Very difficult to abandon. You get used to it. It's like an, it's an addiction. The second, second one in this category is slander. Slander is Lashonara, is unfavorable gossip, which means that before was gossip was just like, just nonsense. You're talking about other people. You know, you should not be talking about anybody. So unfavorable gossip is, even if it's not true, you're talking about somebody, even if it is true, I'm sorry, even if it is true, you're still not going to talk about it. You're not know, passing over information. You heard about this? Unless you're trying to clarify it from a, you know, some sort of reputable a source, but just to spread it out for absolutely no reason. It's not allowed. The third one is quick-temperedness, right? That means getting angry easily. Right? Speak all to all my Middle Eastern friends, right, who come from the very strong Islamic, uh, um, you know, territories. What do you mean? If my wife don't listen to me, she gets it. You know, and oh, this. It's my way. It's this. They, oh, they see people on the street. Mwah, mwah, everything is amazing. How are you, my friend? The door is closed. His wife runs under the table. It's like, you know, what did I do? What did I do? You know, he runs away. There are some people that appear nice outside, but when they get home, whoo, forget about it. Quick temperedness is getting angry. Getting angry, you have to be very careful. It's a sin. It's a sin to get angry. Someone gets angry as if you worship the idols. So a person has to be very careful with uh, with uh, with quick temperedness. Why is this so difficult to to uh, um, to do chuban? Because you get used to it. It's a very hard midah to break. Why is it a very hard midah to break? Because once a person gets angry, he loses control. It's like he has somebody else coming to him, and he's like, you know, some demon is like, you know, blowing steam out of his nose. And even the person that gets angry, after he got angry, he's like, wow, I really lost it. How did I do that? But his pride is too strong to even apologize. So it's a cycle. So he's looping around. He's going back to his anger, and he can't, he can't stop. He can't stop it. Very, very bad. Uh, uh, a very bad midah, and uh, you know it's, it's also for women and men. This is very you know if somebody has a very hard anger trait, it's very hard to to live with that person in a marriage. It's a very if somebody constantly gets angry, how are you supposed to live in that marriage? Every little mess up you make, you get scared. Oh my god, oh, he's going to flip out, or she's going to flip out, or who knows what's going to happen. So it's not a good midah, and it's something that somebody has to work very very hard to get rid of. Next one is the fourth one is somebody who is uh, always preoccupied with evil thoughts, sinful thoughts. There are certain people that just daydream all day, all about sins, nonstop. Just sins nonstop all day, right? This is somebody that's very difficult because he gets so used to it. He gets so used to it that he can't, he can't do chuba on it. It's it just, it's just, he's addicted to it. And the last one is somebody who becomes a friend with a wicked person. He has a friend, and it's a, he doesn't have a good friend, and the friend drags him down. This is so, this is so unfortunate because in nowadays you have a lot of bal chuba, but the bal chuba, the people, somebody who people come bal chuba, they're still hanging around with their friends who are not into it. So they live sort of a double life. And they're, they're, they're over here, and then they're over here. And what happens is that they're getting pulled in two directions, so they end up fluctuating. The entire, they're going through a wave the entire, the entire life. And unfortunately, they could get, it's easier to get pulled down than pulled up. Because pulled down is fun, momentarily. But it's fun momentarily. Pulled up, you enjoy it in the long run, but in the, in the beginning, in the initial, it's a little bit more difficult. So it's easier to do that. So those, says the Rambam, are the 24 categories of somebody who sins... And it's very, very difficult for that person to repent. A person can repent. He can. He can do it. 
but he won't have the sales, I won't have the help that he did. So there's two things that you need to learn from here. Number one is don't do any of these things. Make sure you stay far away from these things. These are serious stuff. And number two, if you did do it, know that you have to actually do some serious chuba. You can do it, but you got to work hard. You got to work hard and it will be done. There is uh, the, the um, Chobot al-Babot says in chapter 7 also. I want to say a few more things. Um, and I know it's getting late, so we're going to be finished shortly. The, on, on, uh, on things that also that, that prevent chuba. Number one is people that are ignorant of God. The people that are ignorant of God, how do they know what they're supposed to do? Somebody, let's say, even becomes about chuba, but he doesn't learn. He doesn't, so he's going to stay exactly the same. It is so important for somebody to constantly learn. It's not enough to come to a class once a week, twice a week, or even three times a week. Every single night you need to learn. There is so much an abundant, and so easy to learn nowadays. You, if you can't read, you got you got classes online. You got Torah anytime. If you don't like certain speakers, you have so many speakers to choose from. You have over four hundred and thirty speak four hundred and thirty one speakers. Last time I checked on Torah anytime alone. That's just on Torah anytime alone on just listening to speakers. You have four hundred and thirty one different opportunities to see who you like and you know try everybody out try try people you never know the people that you like are the ones that you should listen to but you have to learn how are you going to know to do anything if you don't learn to do it if you, if you just stay the same some people come and they start keeping shabbat but it just stays over there they don't know anything else and they don't learn and they don't do anything else so you're going to stay exactly the same way this is something that's det- detrimental for you for doing shabbat the next one is not only being ignorant on god being also ignorant of god's um uh, Torah, mitzvot, which means is that you have, you know, somebody that, you know, you're supposed to be obligated to do certain mitzvah. But, you're going to be like, you know, what's the really purpose of it? Do I really need to do it? And through your ignorance, you're going to say like, oh, this is okay, I don't need to do it. It's not important, I don't need to do it. At the end, you're going to dig yourself in a deeper grave that, you know, really things that you should have done and you, had you just done a little bit of learning, you would have been able to do it. And the last one is the yetzer hara, which means this. Sometimes the, the, the evil inclination is able to go and convince you to do certain things and it pushes you down. Now, of these things, and we're going to finish with one story, of these things, by the way, is somebody who persists on doing, on doing a sin. Which means that there's some people, they have big sins, they'll do repentance on the big sins. But the little sins, they'll be like, ah, oh, whatever, it's not, not so bad. So what happens is the big sins, they might have cleansed, but the little sins, because it keeps on piling up and it becomes a big sin. Or that because they prevent repenting, like we spoke before about the sin, it gets bigger and bigger and bigger, and it's harder for them to do Shabbat. Now, I wanted to share with you an amazing story that uh, it's from the Dubna Magad. With a little twist on it. There was once a couple, and this couple, and we'll end with this. There was once a couple, and this couple had, uh, you know, blessed with everything. They were, you know, blessed with unbelievable amount of wealth. They had servants, they had palaces, they had cars, they had everything that they, that they could ask for. Except for one thing, they didn't have any children. And it's something that they always wanted children. There was a religious couple and, you know, they, they did everything. They didn't leave one stone uncovered. They went to the best doctors, they paid out all the money that they could for any treatments that possibly had, can, but nothing doing. They went to the biggest rabbis, they, you know, got all the blessings that they possibly can get, and nothing doing. They went and they invited all the poor people into their house, and they kept on giving them. And when the poor people said, listen, thank you so much for everything they did, is there anything that we can do back for you in return? I know we can't give you. They said, all we ask you is just is bless us. Bless us that we should have a child. And everybody blessed them with the bottom of the heart because really like love this couple. But for twenty years, nothing. Not a not nothing. No children. After twenty years of crying, twenty years of prayers, twenty years of, of going through such agony of trying to, to get to, to get pregnant, she finally gets blessed with the, with the, with and, and the and the woman gets pregnant. And they're ecstatic. They're like, you know, when somebody is is gets pregnant after a long time, it's really Every pregnancy should be as if somebody didn't get pregnant in a, in a long time. 
and you, you, it's such a miracle. And they're going and they're giving such good care to the baby. It's not making no one screaming, you know, nice music, you know, everything is, uh, uh, you know, top, top level. Nine months pass and Bokhashem, a healthy baby boy is born. This, this person, this father, limited nothing for the Bikmila. He made the most, he rented out a wedding hall. And he made the most expensive, amazing Bikmila. Invited everybody. Everybody's come to the Bikmila. And it was amazing. And they, they showered this boy with everything. Money, best tutors, best schools, best toys, everything top of the line. And as the boy got older, they realized that the boy, with all this, you know, amount of luxury in his life, he sort of started rebelling a little bit. And the rebelling took a little bit stronger and stronger and stronger until when he got, you know, 18, 19, he sort of completely rebelled against his parents. And he went off the path that his parents really wanted to. The parents were very religious people, and they really wanted him a certain path, and he went off it. And the mother was broken off it. The mother was, you know, this is all, what do they want a child for? To pass on their legacy. Now they have a guy, a kid hanging on the streets. This is not the legacy that we dream for, that we pray for. And the mother went, and what could she do? She tried, she tried to go and, and talk to the, but the kid would do nothing. He was a heart, heart of, uh, of stone. He goes, and uh, the mother starts praying. Every day, she takes her tilim, and she drowns it with tears. Drowns it every day with tilim. Please, God, save my child. Bring it back to me. Bring me back my little boy, my little holy soul. And unfortunately, it didn't go. The boy got worse and worse, and the mother couldn't take it anymore. mother with a sensitive heart, you know, after a few years of this, she had a heart attack and died. And uh, the boy with the father, they came, and they went to the funeral, and they said Kaddish. But the boy, he said the words, but inside he was, you know, he buried his mother a long time ago inside. It didn't really, you know, do anything. And he kept on in his way. A few years go by, and his father gets sick. And his father realizes, he's like, listen, he says, you know, Bobo Shammah had a lot of money. Everyone, I'm going to leave it to my son. Uh, my son, you know, he's going to use it on terrible things. So he thinks, it says, you know, if I pass away, what's going to, who's going to say Kaddish for me? This guy's not saying Kaddish for me. What's going to be my legacy? What, what am I going to come to heaven with? So he says, you know what? Let my money is what I bring to heaven. I'm going to go and, do, and he revised his will, donating everything that he had for, uh, or at least a big chunk of it, to charities. He made it, you know, he advised his wallet completely, he gave a, a bunch of money to this Yishuba, a bunch of money to this organization, and he split it up. As, um, you know, as he got sicker and sicker, he felt, you know, more confident in his situation, at least he has this. And he wrote up his last will and testament. And he writes it, and a few days later, he passes away. The boy comes back, he hears his father pass away, he goes and he comes to the funeral, he says the Kaddish, again, words, nothing inside. And uh, all the whole time he's thinking, you know, it's bad, my dad passed away, but now I'm getting all this money. He's like, when can I enjoy this money? He's like, now I can enjoy it without anybody over my head telling me what to do and how to do it. So he goes and he starts, uh, you know, waiting for the funeral to finish, and then he goes to meet with the lawyer. He meets with the lawyer, thinking he's going to get a big check, and the lawyer um, says, hands him an envelope. So he's like, he's like, what's in here? I was waiting for a wad of cash. So he's like, this is your father's last one testament. He goes and he reads the last will of testament, and it says over there, it says, my dear son, you know, I love you very much, uh, but I realized, you know, you're straight from the path, and you're not, you know, going in the path that we want you to go. Uh, if we give you money, you, we, I know that you're going to waste it and use it on something else. So I've decided that with my possessions, I'm going to donate to all these charities and let it be a merit for me in the next world. I give you this amount of money. You have, a, you know, I give him a few thousand dollars uh, for him as an inheritance. And at the bottom, he said... And, you know, for, this is a note for the lawyer. It says, do not allow my son to enter my estate for one whole year. When my yurtzai comes, when the, when, the, when, when the one year comes up, he could enter for one day. And that's it. So he, the, the boy looks at this and be like, what? He's like, he's like, he's thinking for a minute. And then he says, you know what dad wanted to do? He really, he didn't want to give me all the money because he wanted to make sure I say Kaddish for him. So I'll say Kaddish for him for a year. 
And then, whatever, probably after that, you know, I'll, in, the, in the house, I'll probably have where all my money is, uh, is, uh, is waiting for me. And he goes and he says to his lawyer, thank you very much. And he leaves. He takes a few thousand dollars and he continues his lifestyle that he lives. And this guy lived a lifestyle that's uh, not prone for saving, let's just say. He goes, he didn't have good friends. And he gambled it away and he, you know, did certain other sins with the, with the, with the money. And before long, he, he used up all his money, lost all his money that he got from his inheritance. And his fa- and um, he goes to his friends and says, listen, uh, can I borrow some money from you? He says, don't worry about it. i got a big inheritance coming out at the end of the year. I'll pay you back everything. So his friends gave him a little money, but, you know, they saw how quickly he was a turnover. He kept them asking him again for money. And they're like, listen, you know, whether there is or whether there isn't an inheritance, we don't really know, but this doesn't look good. And they stopped lending him money. And uh, he needed to keep up his lifestyle, so he went to uh, other sources to look for money. He went to organized crime. And he goes to the organized crime and he says, listen, because I know your interest rate is very high. My father is very wealthy. I'm getting an inheritance at the end of the year. He says, give me X amount of money. He said, fine, no problem. Tony wrote him a check. Gave him the, gave him the, gave him the, the money. A few months go by, needs more money. Goes back to Tony. Tony says, uh, you know, you're putting yourself in a serious situation here if you don't have this money. He's like, don't worry about it, I got you. So he says, fine, you know what, write him another check. This is the interest rate on here is double, by the way, what I gave you before. He's like, ah, don't worry about it. I got the money. And he goes, and he uses up all the money. And, you know, he comes again, and now suddenly Tony gets a little bit, you know, he's like, what's going on over here? He's like, there's something fishy over here. He says, uh, he sends a few guys to investigate. And they say, listen, this guy really does have, he has a big house, his father, you know, the big mansion, and he does have the ability to, you know, to pay back at that day. But then, you know, he said, uh, Tony said, listen, I lent you enough money. Once you show me that you can pay back, we'll do it. Right now, I'm not paying, giving you any more money. So he tries to go and goes to other people and tries to get the money. And some people lend them, some people don't. But before long, he makes a lot of enemies. And nobody's giving him, you know, he's not paying back anybody because he has this enormous amount of debt. And he goes and uh, one day, he, he walks outside his apartment and there's uh, a black car over there with two guys. They get out of the car and they push him into an alley. They'd be like, what's up with the money? They'd be like, oh, where are you, where are you guys from? He goes, you know, from Tony. You said, you know, year's coming up. Where's the money? He's like, hey, listen, in one month, I got it inside. I'll pay you off. And they said, you know, you better give us the money. He says, you better, you know, if you're not going to give us the money, you're a dead man. And they made sure that he remembered that, right? They placed a few nice blows in, you know, in the stomach and the face that he shouldn't forget too soon how he has to pay them back. And he's sitting over there crippling on the floor with pain and blood dripping everywhere. And, you know, he's like, he's like, well, you know, I hope my dad gives me money. Otherwise, I'm a dead man. And everywhere he's going now, he sees his black car following him, making sure that he's not running away. He left him a, a nice heavy debt. So he goes, and finally the day comes. The day comes for his, uh, um, actually, even two weeks before the day came, uh, he got evicted from his apartment. He got evicted from his apartment because he wasn't able to pay rent. And he's like, he's like, you know, he's living on the street for two weeks. He's living on the street for two weeks, and he's not able. He's not able to take us anymore. Finally, the day comes where it follows one year anniversary of his of his passing, and he walks up to the house. The guards open the door for him and let him in. The second that the door closes, he looks outside the window. He sees already a black car waiting in that circular driveway. You know, with two people with bats, you know, doing this. Mm-hmm. So he's like, "Oh man!" And he looks in the house. House is beer, ripped, beer empty, and his heart starts beating. He's like, what's going on over here? He starts walking through the house, and he sees, you know, he walks through the kitchen, and all of a sudden, all these memories start flooding him up. You know, his mother sitting there, trying, you know, cooking a meal, trying to make a conversation with him, and he just turns her down, and he just, you know, puts her, and then she keeps on trying again, you know, so, so in such a motherly, nice way, and he keeps on pushing her down. And as all he's walking through the house, all the memories that was once a warm, you know, fun-filled house is, is filling him up now, and all of a sudden, he starts feeling really bad about what he did to his parents and what they did in his life. 
and he starts, you know, his tears start swelling as he goes through and he visits his old, his old room and, you know, he gets more emotional. And finally he says, you know what, let's go to my father's study. He opens the, the study and he sees there the, the old nice mahogany desk where his father used to sit late at night learning to walk until he fell asleep. And he goes over to the safe where he knew his father kept in that thing and he opens it and it's empty. And he's like, oh man, this is, this is ridiculous. What am I supposed to do over here? And he turns around you know, his heart's already beating. He's like, I'm a dead man. And he sees a letter on the on his father's desk. So he runs over and quickly opens it. And he reads, says, my, my dear son, if you're reading this letter, that means, you've, you know, it's been a year that passed since my passing. And I am sure that, you know, you didn't live, you're, you didn't change much since I passed. And you lived a life a certain way. And I'm also sure that you used up all the money that I left you. And I'm also sure that you borrow from people that uh, are, you know, not to be borrowed from. And he says, if I'm all correct, you have probably people waiting outside to pay them back. And what I have to tell you is, my dear son, is, is I don't have any money here for you. He says, but I do have a, you know, one option for you. He says, I figured that this is going to uh, happen. He says, go to the attic. In the attic, I prepared a noose. And go and better take your own life than okay. letting yourself have the life with your, uh, with your, you know, in your, in your, better to have this life. Then better to live, better to die this way than to uh, get beaten up and killed by the certain uh, group of people. So this guy goes and he says, "You know what? It's unbelievable. How am I supposed to? How am I supposed to? Um, how am I supposed to? Yeah, it's recording. So how, how am I supposed to?" He says, "You know what? Maybe, maybe I should. Maybe uh, you know, in my whole life, how did I live? You know, I just completely, you know, lost it." And he's like, he's thinking. He looks outside. And he sees what his father, you know, he sees those two guys over there. Hi, guys. It's me, Avi. I just came to Shul to know why they're constructing it. Well, let's speak afterwards, right, Avi? Nice hey. to meet you. Is it going to be on YouTube? Um, maybe one day. It'll be on Tony time. Okay, so the, the, going back to it. So he's, he's looking outside the window, and he sees these two black things, and he's like, and he's like, you know what, I'm a dead man. He says, he, he knows these people. He says, these people kill. If you don't pay them back, you're dead. And he's like, you know, maybe my father's right. Maybe, maybe I should do this. And he's like, nah, I can't be. My father wouldn't ask me to kill my. Let's commit suicide. He wouldn't ask me to do that. And he's pacing back and forth, he's looking around the house, and he's like, you know, let's go see what's in the attic. And he's like, maybe there's where the money is. So he goes up, and he goes up to the to the uh, attic, and he opens the door, and he sees a noose hanging over there. And he's like, whoa, my dad is serious. And he goes, and he says, this is ridiculous. He's like, and on the new, on the on the on the chair, there's another note. And he's like, ah, here's where the check is. He goes, runs it over, and he opens up the note. But there's no check over there. There's only a note. And in the note reads, says, my dear son, if you came up here, you realize the truth of my words. And, you know, how unfortunate it is, you know, and, and I really do not wish you any harm, but I think this is your best wow. choice. And he goes, and he says, you know what? But if you're already giving up your life, if you're already going over here, might as well, as do chuba, repent for the days. You're going to be meeting your creator in a few moments. Do be doing do repentance, do complete repentance, and return from your ways that you did. And you know this. You know the son now took it. He, st- he broke down crying. He realizes that his father is right, and he realizes that now he has to end. He has to end. Uh, you know he is going to follow with his father's instruction. And you know he starts crying, and he starts crying about his past. He starts. He starts crying about all the the sins that he did, about the fa- about the pain and suffering that he caused his parents to have, about the fact of pain and suffering that he caused himself to have. And he goes and he stands on the chair and he puts a noose on his head and he starts saying, you do it. And he starts, up, he starts saying, God, God, I'm sorry. For, and he goes through his entire, and he's bawling. 
he is crying the nooses wet already. And he is crying nonstop. And he says, God, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I wasted my life. He says, had I listened, I would have been a rich man now. And what? I didn't have a wife. I didn't have kids. I have nothing. He says, I have nothing. I have nothing of nothing. And, you know, he does his complete chuba out of complete sincere repentance. And, you know, he's sitting over there. And suddenly, you know, he gets up the urge. And he says, and he closes his eyes. And he starts screaming, Shema Yisrael, Hashem Elokeinu, Hashem Echad. And he kicks off the chair. And he waits, and he dangles for a second, and then he feels a thud. And he's like, Am I, did I just do it? Did I just die? And then he gets, you know, he has pain on his back. And he opens up his eyes, and he realized that the entire noose fell. And as the, as the noose was falling, the rope was falling down, a little note came falling down from the, um, at the tide at the end, at the end of the noose. And he, he gets up all withered in pain, you know, loosens the noose, and he goes into this note, and he opens it up. And opens up and says, My dear son, this is your father again. He says, if you've gone this far, that means that you have done complete repentance. You have changed your ways completely. He says, please, do it for your best. Go. I left you a lot of money. There's a lot of money for you. He says, take this money, start your life fresh. Go, pay off your people that you owe money to, and change your ways. Go get married. Go find somebody. Settle down. Come closer to the way of God. Come closer to the Torah. Come closer to Chuba. And the guy, the guy went, and the father gave him instructions of where there's, there was money hidden in, in the house. And he went to that safe, he opened it up, and he went down and he paid his, uh, his debtors. They left, and he completely changed his life around. There are many times in life where hardship comes, and we're like, God, what's going on over here? We're going into the room, and we're like, we thought the big payday is coming. Where's the big payday? And God says, not yet. Go to the next room. And we go to the next room, we go to the next room, until sometimes you have to put the noose on your head. And you're thinking, what's going on over here, God? But you never give up hope, because after all these tests, there comes a big treasure at the end. It might be a month, it might be a year, it might be two years, but there's a treasure at the end. And that treasure is for everybody. Even if you've done any of these sins that's yes, so Lord, difficult to repent, you have the ability to repent from anything. Yes, you, it might be a little bit difficult, but persevere. Push it through it because you can do it. Anybody can do anything as long as you really want it. And when you want it and when you do it, you will find a very big reward at the end. You've just experienced another Torah class brought to you by TorahAnytime.com.